everyone. My name is Josh Scroggins. I pastor New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. We are going to be in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. And here's what it says. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple the ninth hour for the hour of prayer. And a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order for him to beg for charitable gifts from those entering the temple grounds. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asking to receive a charitable gift. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, Look at us. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as being the very one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for charitable gifts. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the portico named Solomon's, completely astonished. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? And why are you staring at at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we had made him walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus, the one whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one. You asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, a fact which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him perfect health in the presence of you all. We looked at this passage in our last episode. We're going to look at a little bit different uh, angle on this today. I tried to come up with uh, <laughs> tried to come up with a better title for my sermon uh, that did not sound like a pregnancy book, um, but you know it it is what it is. the The title of the sermon is simply this: it is simply what to expect when you're expecting. And I told my my church, you know, we're we're expecting a lot of things to be happening in this coming year. We expect God to move in powerful ways. We expect all of this and. Um, and so if we are expecting God to move, then we have to expect a lot of the other things that come with that. We have to expect that our services are going to look a little different. They're going to feel a little different. Things might happen that uh, we are not used to. Um, and if we are to say that we are expecting God to move, then we must be willing to also expect everything that comes with that. Well, in this passage that uh, I just read to you, 
I found three levels of expectation that were um, were mentioned here. Three levels of expectation. Three different people. Three different types of expectations. And and the first one was the beggar. We have this guy who was being carried to the gate, right? He he was uh, begging for his life, right? That's that's what he did. That's how he survived. And he had certain expectations. Now, the Bible does not clearly say that that his expectations were everything I'm about to mention, but I think it's fairly safe to say that he probably expected to be ridiculed and rejected. Now, why would I say that? Well, because most people would have done exactly that to this man. I mean, how many times have you passed up a beggar on the street asking for money and ignored or looked at them? In, in a way, uh, how, how many times do you think that they have been uh, insulted? How many times do you think that they have uh, they have had people uh, ignore them or reject them, right? This is something that would have been just a, a normal part of his day. He would have expected it. He would have expected that if he was going to beg for money, that people were going to reject him, that people were going to ridicule him. In fact, he may have even been considered cursed by God due to his physical problem. The guy couldn't walk and he had been born like this, right? And so it was not uncommon for people to believe at that time that this could have even been a curse from God. And so why would we want to hand out money to this guy? Why would we want to bless him if God has decided to curse him? I mean, for this beggar, this is really just another day, right? He was he was carried down to the same gate he always went to, probably the same type of day, probably took the same route getting there, saw all of the same buildings, all of the same houses, all of the same stores, right? Probably knew all of the business people and the, the priests and everybody else who came past there. He he probably probably didn't consider this to be really any kind of a, any kind of a different day than ever before, right? This was just another day and his expectation would have been that this would be simply what every other day was. But really that's always the case before God moves, isn't it? If you think back to any time that God did something amazing in your life, it always starts off as just another day. It's always just another day until it's not. It's always just another day until God gets involved. It's always just another day. Now, why do I say that? Well, I say that because this man was still going to the gate. He still had not given up. He was still on his way to his spot. Even though he knew he would be ridiculed, even though he knew he would be rejected, even though he knew people would look down on him, even though he knew that uh, he may not get much that day or anything that day, Even though he knew he might go hungry, even though he knew all of these things, he continued day in and day out to go to his spot and to beg, to go to his spot and continue to fight for his life, continue to not quit. He could have given up. He could have taken his life. He could have ended things, but he didn't. He continued to go about it. And this was just another day where he continued to trudge along. My, my point is simply this. Don't let rejection make you quit. Don't let ridicule make you quit. Don't let going day in and day out without seeing the answers. Don't let that make you quit because it is going to be just another day. 
when God finally steps in. Your answer will come on just another day. And so don't quit because today looks like just every other day. Because every amazing day you've ever had started off that way. But not only did he expect ridicule and rejection, this beggar would be expected money. I mean, when Peter says, hey, look at us. Here, put your attention over here. Put your focus over here. Clearly, the man expected money. The Bible tells us as much. He looked at them expecting to receive something from them, expecting money. And, and, and so he must have been a little disappointed when Peter said they didn't have any. Hey, look over here. I don't have any money. But what I give to you, what I have, I give to you. Can you imagine what he must have been thinking? What does he, what does he have that he's going to give to me? It's not money. Is he about to punch me? Is he, is he about to spit on me? Is he going to throw something? What, what, is, what is he going to give me? See, he expected something, but it wasn't the thing that God planned on giving him that day. He expected something great, right? He expected money, but that's not, in fact, where, where God was moving. I mean, how many of us expect God to do something, right? We've got our faith in God. We expect him to come through. But where we are directing our faith is way off about what it is that he actually wants to do. We're like, God, I, I expect you to do something. I'm expecting you to, to bless me by, you know, by, by, by giving me a raise at work. And maybe God is saying, I, I'm going to bless you by giving you an idea to start a business. <laughs> that might not be what we're thinking. That's, that's totally different. God says, look, I, I'm going to bless you but I'm going to bless you with something that is totally in a different direction. I, let me ask you this. What if you're dreaming too small? What if the thing that God is wanting to do in your life right now is just different than what you're expecting? And maybe what you're expecting as far as, as far as the root of it is true, that God does want to bless you, that he does want you to be healed, that he does want you to be um, uh, renewed, restored. He does want to give you peace. He does want to give you joy. He, he does want to give you those things. That is true. But maybe the way that you are expecting him to do that is just off. What if it's too small? How would you handle it if the thing that you're asking for, the thing that you're believing for, is simply not the way that God wants to do things. Would you be able to accept that? Would you be able to even submit to that? This beggar had his expectations in the wrong place. God did, in fact, want to bless him. Peter did, in fact, want to give him something. But the beggar expected money. And what God had in mind, what Peter had in mind, was this man's physical healing. In other words, this guy expected a handout. Peter was about to give him a hand up. He, he expected to be given some money to get him through the day. But what God had in store was for this man to be healed in a way that he could go get a job and that he would be provided for every day. And he would be able to not only do that, but to support others. He would be able to give now. He knew the other beggars. Could you imagine the other beggars in that area when they see him coming? And he says, hey, I've got, I've got amazing health now. I can walk. I can jump. I can leap. I got, a, I got a job. I'm working. I'm making money now. And now I can come over here and help out the people that were begging next to me. What if you're dreaming too small? And so that, that is one level of expectation was, was the beggar. The other, the other set of expectations that I see here was the crowd. They had a certain level of expectations and those expectations 
were violated. See, they had expected Jesus following to die with Jesus. They expected that when they killed Christ, that his followers would disappear. They expected that when they finally killed him, they would never have to hear that name again. And yet here he was, having his name proclaimed again. They had killed him, and yet here in front of the temple, here at the temple now, there are people proclaiming the name of Jesus, having just done this miracle for this guy in that name of Jesus. They expected that when they put Jesus down, everything that Jesus was doing would end. And this world is going to do everything it can to destroy you as well. It's going to do everything it can to knock you down. It's going to take everything that it has and put you out of of commission. And people will assume that once you have been knocked down, that you're out for the count. People will assume that once you have fallen, that that's it. Don't let people write you off because you fall. Proverbs 24, 16 says, a righteous person falls seven times. A righteous person. So even the righteous fall seven times. And I can promise you that is not that is not a number that is meant to, as a limiter, right? Seven times just means a lot. It's a complete number. It means they fall all the time. But it says a righteous person falls seven times and rises again. But the wicked stumble in the time of disaster. See, the difference between a winner and a loser is once. Both fall over and over and over and over again, but the winner gets up one more time than the loser does. That's it. A winner gets up one time more than they fall. A righteous person gets up, rises up one time more than they fall. Have you fallen? It's okay. Get back up. Have you stumbled? It's okay. Get back up. Have you been knocked down? It's okay. Get back up. You don't have to get back up anything more than just one more time than you're knocked down. That's it. You have to be up one more time. That's it. So the crowd expected that when they took Jesus out, he was gone. But that wasn't the case. What Jesus stood for, what Jesus taught, what Jesus passed down, it it, it lived on long after that. The other expectation the crowd had is that Jesus was unique in his ability to perform miracles. Right? They they thought, well, you know, once uh it's really hard to you know, to, to, to decredit, to discredit Jesus if he's uh, doing all these miracles, if he's doing all these signs and wonders. But if we could take him out then we don't have to deal with this anymore. But man, it wasn't just Jesus' ideas that was passed down to his disciples. It was Jesus' authority. It was Jesus' power. There is something so powerful about that realization. See, they didn't realize that Jesus had given his followers the authority to act in his name. They didn't know about the Holy Spirit that had filled them with power in Acts chapter 2. And here's the thing. This is the way that the world often thinks. It's the way that we so often think. Is that the, the way they were thinking, well, Jesus was able to do these miracles, but the disciples, they shouldn't be able to. 
And that people are going to tell you all the time that God can only use certain kinds of people. We tell ourselves that all the time. Well, God could use them, but he can't really use me. That's wrong. God often uses people no one would expect. Why? Well, because they're willing. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God's chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Don't let people tell you that you're not good enough to do great things. They're wrong. Because doing great things has nothing to do with how good you are. It has to do with how great God is. And if God is in it, it is great. You don't have to look in the mirror and say, I'm not good enough to do great things. No, if God is in it, it is a great thing. All you have to do not is not be good enough. You have to be willing enough. You have to submit enough. You have to follow his directions enough. Let him, let him do what he does and just obey. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be great. Great things will happen if you are willing to let God do them through you. And so we see the expectations of the beggar. We see the expectations of the crowd. But there is one other person here that I can't help but notice had pretty incredible expectations, and that was Peter. See, Peter expected to be used by God. Now, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, Peter could have just ignored this man like so many people did. He could have told the man, hey, look, I'm sorry, I don't have any money, and then just moved on. He could have told the guy, hey, um, you know what? There's a great church over there. Why don't you go in there and the pastor will pray for you? He could have done that. Why did he Why did he stop? Why, why did he stop? It's because he was expecting to be used by God that day. Peter got up that morning expecting that God was going to use him to do something. And he was looking for a door. He was looking for an opportunity. He was looking for an opening. He was looking for that thing that God had called him to do. And when he saw this man, Peter saw an open door and thought, okay, God's going to use me today. I just got asked for money by a beggar who can't walk. God is about to do something. He saw an opening. He saw a door because he was looking for it, because he got up expecting it. Let me, let me just say it this way. You don't stop and do what Peter did unless you expect that you're on a mission. Peter stopped because he expected that God was about to use him. And he also expected that God was going to come through. I want you to notice in this passage, we never see God tell Peter that the man would be healed. We never see anything about Peter having a dream the night before where he saw the man and saw him healed. We we don't see anywhere in there where uh, an angel visited Peter and, and told him, hey, this is the man right here. You're going to stop and you're going to heal him. Right? I don't see any of that. I don't see any of that. It's not there. We don't see where there is a, a voice that spoke out of heaven and said, Peter, heal this man. That's not none of that. None of that. We don't see any of that. So what happened? Simply put, how could Peter be so sure that Jesus was going to heal this man, that God was going to heal this man? How could he be so sure? Well, do you remember that spiritual GPS we talked about last, uh, a couple weeks ago, where there's a, there's a, the Holy Spirit guiding us 
kind of like a GPS giving us turn by turn, giving us instructions, giving us directions. I think that's what happened here. I think the Holy Spirit just prompted him and Peter obeyed. Peter felt the Spirit moving him to this man and then he took a step of faith and he spoke and he believed that God was going to come through. He believed that in the name of Jesus, this man could be and would be healed. But he did more than just speak. He did more than just believe with his words. He he acted on it. I mean, he, he reaches down. He pulls the guy up to his feet. Now, think about the level of expectation revealed in that action. He didn't just say, get up and walk. Because the thing is that there, there's a lot of people, I think that that's where, you would, that's where they would stop. And that's already a big act of faith to say that. But then if the man doesn't actually do it, you could say, yeah, well, he could have been healed, but he just didn't have the faith to, to try. But no, Peter, Peter, you know, said, forget that. Um, I'm, I'm taking care of this myself. And he grabbed the guy by the hand and yanked him up to his feet. There's an incredible level of expectation there. And, and here's the thing. You are one of these three. You're one of these three. You're either the beggar, you're the bystander, or you're Peter. Are you in the place that the beggar was? Maybe you felt rejected, neglected. It's And it's not for no reason. Right? You know you're broken. You know you're in need of God's healing. You know you need God to forgive you, to mend you, to restore you. And and you would you would say, "Pastor, I need forgiveness. I need healing. I need restoration." Maybe you're in a place where you've been expecting God to do one thing so much that you just haven't submitted to the idea of him doing something else. You've been putting God in a box. You'd say, look, I've been so focused on what I want and I haven't even thought about what God might want. And I need to repent of that. I need to trust God to do what's best, even if it's not what I wanted. Maybe you're in the place of the crowd. You've made assumptions about who God can and cannot use. You've made assumptions about God's ability to do miracles in your life or another's life. And maybe you just need to say, God, forgive my doubt. Forgive me for putting limits on what you can and cannot do and who you can and cannot use. Enlarge my faith. Or maybe you're Peter. Did you wake up today with a mission? Do you go through life with zeal and faith? That's great. Then your prayer simply needs to be, God, give me wisdom and humility to know your voice, to know your direction, and to understand that anything you do through me is only meant to give you the glory. Look, your your expectations are going to determine so much about your life and about your day. What it is that you expect God to do in your life will either free him or limit him in what he can do for you and through you. So where are your expectations? Are you expecting that he knows what's best? Are you expecting that he can use you? If so, listen for his voice, follow his direction, and when the time comes and he opens a door, step through it. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. 
appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.